Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Finsider Radio, a.k.a. the Jake and Josh Show. I am Josh Houts, and I am joined by my trusty co-host, Jake Mendel. How are you doing today, man? I'm pretty good. You know, I had a pretty slow day at work, so I had an opportunity to write a different, a couple different Dolphin stories. And I was kind of preaching for a couple months here that, that once the draft's over, things are going to slow down quite a bit, but that really doesn't have the case. We have quite a bit to talk about. Uh, we could talk about how Tua's going to, you know, basically... There's going to be stadiums full of just Tua jerseys wherever the Miami Dolphins go this year. Uh, different rookies are starting to sign with the team already. We're not going to have to deal with many, you know, camp hold, holdouts. You think back to the um, the uh, uh, hard knocks when they're on. Thank you. I don't. That was that was brutal. I'm sorry. Sorry. Right. <laughs> but when they're on hard knocks and they made it really dramatic when Ryan Tannehill didn't sign until the last day, even though it was pretty much assumed he was going to be there when camp started. Uh, the Dolphins might be interested in another cornerback in Logan Ryan. And uh, there's a little trend going on on Twitter that we thought we we're going to tackle, and that is uh, basically the title of it is, is a pretty horrible title. It's just called Do This For Your Team Too. So for the hashtag Dolphins, we'll go through players we think are overrated, underrated, the best on the team, key additions, could surprise, take a leap, and prove it year. I will go that go through that slower as we move on. But before we jump in, Houts, I think we should let everyone know that you really should subscribe to us, rate, review, hit us with all that good stuff. It helps us out quite a bit. And you know what? We I think we found out the turkey leg. I think it was 
Chris Chambers gave it to Jay Fiedler. So thank you guys for reaching out. You can find us on Twitter. I am jmendel94. Houts, simple as that. H-O-U-T-Z. So Josh, let's get right into it here because I know you've already bought in six. So these two are jerseys. Like, like these are seller than hotcakes, right? Hotcakes, when they were hotcakes, had nothing on what this two jersey is doing. Yeah, it's crazy, and I tweeted out, I don't remember, maybe in September, you know, if, if Tua becomes a Dolphin, he's going to have it this time next year, the number one selling jersey, and it's actually happened sooner than that. At this moment, since the NFL draft, Tua Tonovailoa has the number one and number two selling jerseys, and that's crazy because you think about the Tom Brady, uh, you know, the acquisition by Tampa. They also got Rob Gronkowski. Joe Burrow is in Cincinnati. The first the overall pick. Yeah, the first overall pick. I mean, the list goes on and on, and maybe maybe people bought Joe Burrow jerseys before you know they started keeping track of this, but it's crazy, and we continue to say that Tua Tagovailoa is probably the biggest name, the biggest guy, the most important player that this franchise had since Dan Marino, and some people love to hear that. Some people hate to hear that, but it's the truth. I mean, we, we all wanted Ryan Tannehill at the time. He was you know, the quarterback that the Dolphins had a chance at, and he was the first first-round pick that the Dolphins invested in on that position since Marino. So we were all over-the-moon excited, but he just did not have the same resume that Tuatonga Valoa does, and it's crazy to me because they didn't even release the throwbacks yet. You can only go and buy a custom throwback in a 4XL, so unless you're, you need a new shower curtain or a bed sheet, I mean, <laughs> you're probably not getting that. So what happens when they release those throwbacks? You know, the white, the aqua, he might have the, the top four selling jerseys. It's crazy to me. We know the tool hype is real. We've been documenting this thing and following it since the beginning of the season, some even later than that. But it is crazy to just sit here and think that he is outselling Tom Brady jerseys in Tampa Bay because Tampa, Tampa Bay fans probably went in this offseason. They probably had whoever, whatever quarterback on their mind. They got Tom Brady. And to think that that fan base – to think that Tua Tagovailoa jerseys are selling more than Tom Brady, it's crazy to me. I don't know your thoughts on it, but it speaks volumes about how excited this fan base is to have the Hawaiian King in Miami. Yeah, I think there's really two sides to this because you have to think of someone about like uh, Joe Burrow, won the Heisman, just won a national championship. His jersey isn't even in the top four. It really puts into perspective not only the fan base Tua has, but the fan base the Miami Dolphins have. I never thought there'd be a day when you know Alabama friend or uh, fans and Miami Dolphin fans would really agree on something. But I guess when your fan franchise quarterback could potentially be on the table, I guess. I guess we'll settle for that one. Uh, you have all of Hawaii also buying these Dolphin jerseys. And then you have to go overseas as well. You think about, I th I'm pretty sure the Dolphins have either played the most games overseas or, or is in the top, you know, two or three. You think about how often they go over there um, in order to be able to have bids at Super Bowls. So the fan base is really, really broad. I mean, I see up here in Western New England. So it's really interesting to see everybody. When, when something goes right for the Dolphins, you kind of know that this is one of, you know, America's teams. Obviously, you can argue, you know, the Patriots have been the most popular, the Cowboys. But, like, when you go into the top five to seven teams that are just generally liked around the world, I think you have to put the Miami Dolphins up there. You hear people raving about, um, even national guys, I think it was Nick Wright recently, who was just going off about how the Miami Dolphins have the greatest uniform in sports. And while I know a lot of Miami Dolphin fans agree with that, I mean, it makes sense you're a Miami Dolphins fan, but when you can kind of get people from all over the spectrum really impressed with what you're doing in terms of uniforms. And then, believe it or not, on the field, that stuff matters too. This 
team has a really big fan base, and it's kind of would be really exciting to see when they're one of the teams that are in the spotlight all the time. Because I think if they're you know ten and ten and six, eleven to five with a young, flashy quarterback, I think this is going to be one of those teams fans start to complain about that we're going to see way too much on sports and way too much on top of you know the CBS ticker just because of how um, popular they can be just just across the United States and across the world. Yeah, it speaks volumes, and you mentioned. Hawaii, Alabama fans, the Dolphins have signed seven of their 11 draft picks this year, and the only four remaining is Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, Noah Igbenogany, and Malcolm Perry. And as soon as two us put, you know, ink, uh, ink to paper, uh, we'll, we'll talk about Mother's Day because some people were up in arms about that. He bought his mom a brand-new Cadillac Escalade for Mother's Day, and some people were giving him a little bit of slack. The guy has eight endorsement deals, and the very next day he signed his rookie contract. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And if we were all in that same situation, we would absolutely buy our mother a Cadillac Escalade, if not more. But the real thing that came out was that Tua immediately said, and I think it came out through his uh, agent, Lee Steinberg, I'm going to open up charities in Hawaii, in Alabama, and Miami. And it just, we, we talk about how good the player is on the field if he can remain healthy. And I think that's the biggest concern with, te- with, with fans is, can he stay healthy? But as good of a player as he is on the field, he is even better off the field. And I, I don't know your opinion on this, but that just speaks volumes. And to know that now, and you mentioned earlier, you know, rookie contracts are not the same as they were back in the day. Sam, Sam Bradford made a killing off of not only his rookie deal, but just every deal after that for being a not very good quarterback, if we're being completely honest. Tua Tagovailoa is making, I believe it's roughly $30 million, and I made that comment that, Ryan Tannehill is making 29 and a half this year. Tua Tagovailoa over four years is going to make a little more than Ryan Tannehill is making in 2020, and that's crazy. And it just speaks about the volume of that rookie pay scale and what it means to teams. And let's be honest. I mean, I know I'm kind of spiraling out of control here just talking about this, but we see it around the NFL. We see it with the Chiefs. We see it with these other teams. When you have a young quarterback on that rookie deal, that is when the window is open to make a play at you know the playoffs, the AFC East, at, at a Super Bowl run. Now is the time, and we saw what the Dolphins did this offseason with all that capital. They're going to have, you know, they're going to have a lot of cap space next year. They're, they have two first-round picks next year, two, two second-round picks. You know, they have the ammunition to replicate what they did this offseason. So 2020 might not be that year where they, they take this huge leap, but I think we're going to see it over the duration of Tua's rookie deal. So, First, just tell me what you think about the Dolphins signing seven out of 11 of their rookies, and then we'll talk about the the Mother's Day gift and everything after that. Truthfully, I mean, it's not too surprising. I kind of mentioned it there with Tannehill. I think these... These rookie deals are pretty much set in stone. There, there might be a little, you know, fine, fine details uh, in terms of um, if you can get out of that fifth year, if you can negate some of the contract early on. You, uh, Jacksonville, Leonard Fournette went and you know disputed that fifth year after he had some issues off the field. It, it's really those fine details like that. But uh, in general, I think all these players sign. I don't think it's too too much of an issue. I don't think it's nothing to worry about. I think it's interesting what you mentioned, two first-round picks, a second-round pick, and the seventh-round pick, who might be one of the most entertaining players. And it's kind of exciting when uh, you see someone like Perry really join this team because there's there's really nothing going on there, right? There's no risk in signing someone like Malcolm Perry at a Navy. But what it does, though, is opens up those camp storylines. And as someone who looks... You know, that that reporter bias over here. Uh, That is something really exciting. I think back to the draft. I know I'm kind of ranting off from what you're talking about here. 
but we drafted a long snapper in the fifth round, right? And everyone was kind of, you know, oh, this draft is ruined. Why would you do that? That's like a seventh round pick. Well, our seventh round pick might be more exciting than that fifth, and it's a lower less, it's a little less of a risk. But overall, I definitely think these guys will come in. You just have to wonder if maybe they haven't been able to get a flight. Maybe they don't feel comfortable getting a flight yet with everything that is going on. So that could just be the situation there. And with Tua, I think, you know, when we hear older players kind of come out and say, you know, I think we hear a lot in like basketball too, where, you know, don't go out and spend all your money. You're going to feel like you have so much money, but it'll be gone a lot quicker than you think. That's a hundred percent true. And everyone should listen to that. But when I think you're the quarterback at Alabama, and then you have those endorsement deals, like you mentioned, and then you were the fifth overall pick. Yes. That money will kind of go quickly still. Um, It's, it's not hard to spend a lot of money really fast, but it's hard to imagine he didn't have some sort of money from playing quarterback at Alabama. I don't think that's anything we have to worry about. I kind of thought it was strange that people were kind of against that. I mean, treat your mother, make her happy. I mean, that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, and I mean, they raised you your entire life, so that's the least you could do. And to just see people have a little bit of an outrage, and it's just the same people that were down on Tua. And again, I think you have a legitimate reason if you were concerned about Tua Tungavaloa in the pre-draft process because of his injuries. And, I mean, who can sit here and confidently say, you know, that doesn't sit in the back of your mind. But at the end of the day, the talent, you know, the reward was higher than the risk. And to to have him fall to the Dolphins' lap at five, they built the offensive line. We saw the report come out earlier in the week about how dismal the Dolphins offensive line was last year I mean I think it was out of 171 offensive linemen I mean the Dolphins had what six in the bottom 10 or 20 I mean that is how bad the offensive line was last year they fired the offensive uh, line coach Uh, they're trying to rebuild what they had last year and I mean Austin Jackson you know Hunt uh, the list goes on and on Eric Flowers Karras Whoever it is, they need to build that offensive line before we even think about Tuatana Bailoa coming in there. But we talked about a little bit last week. I think we all are pretty certain that we are going to see him sooner than later. And the real question is, are fans going to be there? You mentioned how fans are going to be in attendance. They're going to be rocking their Tuatana Bailoa jerseys. I saw someone on Twitter joke about how you know the stadium is going to be packed with with all these Tua jerseys. And Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the starter. And I don't know if you saw the report, but it came out a little bit ago that teams were thinking about, or I think it was Joe Buck might have said, you know, they're thinking about pumping crowd noise in there, which is no surprise and not really anything different than what the Atlanta Falcons did. If if you recall that whole scandal, they're going to pump in crowd noise. They might even have virtual fans in attendance. I mean, I think, I think there might be a better chance that we see this type of stuff than actual fans. And, you know, the 15, 20,000 that the Dolphins had reportedly had this whole blueprint laid out. How do you see this season going? Because right now it, it is a huge mystery. No one truly knows, but what are your thoughts about them pumping in the crowd noise and virtual fans? Because, I mean, what if we were able to sit out there and sign up and they have, I, I don't know, they, they pump us on the Jumbotron during a Dolphins game. I mean, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, where do I sign up to do that? I honestly think that that's probably a good idea. And if they didn't already think about that, you should probably go talk to them. Because I could definitely see them, you know, doing – different raffles and things to be make your own fan video to be shown you know before a play or something like that and they kind of show them instead of you know the different crowd views and everything they just go to that and it just kind of generates through different ones uh that make a lot of sense um i did see that table i I don't know if this is true or not i kind of read a couple headlines i didn't do too much digging but uh tables are starting to put mannequins um in restaurants i saw that yeah 
So, at, at all the different tables, they have mannequins to make social they... distancing less awkward. And all I can think yeah. is that's going to make it more awkward. So what we should do is get a whole stadium full of mannequins. Let's do it. Let's make things as weird as possible for uh, one of the most unique seasons we'll ever ever have. So so let's not just embrace it and go a little wonky with it. Put them all into a jerseys. Why not? Can we do it like the old Madden games where they would show like a crowd shot? It would just be the same like four people just in different spots. <laughs> can, can we yeah. do it like that? Hundred percent. I'm I'm so a hundred percent in, and that that sounds that sounds like a fantastic idea. I I do want to talk about the offensive line for a minute, and and CK Parrot, uh, Chris Kaufman actually brought this up on Twitter that the Dolphins brought in someone like Chan Gailey because his offense is easy to learn, and uh, that that's kind of a interesting take it's like a simple quick read it's not only is it something to can you know it's what he did all his college career it's a simple one where you can kind of embrace it with the rookie quarterback and as you start to get more detail you might you know move on from him or whatever but it's a nice stepping stone so that also kind of hints at that you know Parrot uh Kaufman excuse me also mentioned that hey they wouldn't have brought him in if they weren't planning to play Tua relatively early in the season uh, I think one of the issues, though, is I don't like the bye week being so late because that's usually the ideal time. But I think it's going to be until this offensive line is really solidified because you mentioned out of 171 qualified NFL offensive linemen last season, this tweet comes from Mike Clay. Uh, I wrote a story about it for the Finsider. Jamarcus Webb was ranked 171st, literally the worst overall offensive lineman in terms of pass block win rate. Uh, Jesse Davis was 170. Jesse Davis is a little concerning. Because, you know, he's seen as this veteran and he played 15 games, right? And that, like, you would think that if someone had the word, like, Jamarcus Webb, okay, you can kind of make an excuse, make a pass for him. He didn't play the whole season. He wasn't necessarily brought into the system with the idea of, hey, you belong here. Like, we picked you up off the streets. You're really starting to establish yourself. You're getting comfortable. It's midway through the season, by the way. Uh, same with Julian Davenport at 169. Shaq Calhoun at 165 is a little more concerning. He played a few more games. But really, the the concern that I'm seeing a lot on, whether it's Reddit, whether it's on Twitter, is the pick last year of Michael Dieter, who finished 146 overall. He started 15 games, and, and that 146 rating is not great whatsoever. Uh, this is supposed to be a third-round pick, and you're really hoping that he can really start to establish himself because what I really spoke about in the story is how the Dolphins have invested these pieces in the offensive line but you can't just come in and think okay cool we have let's let's see here we have hunt on one side we have uh wow where did my entire list of players go sorry um excuse me you know solomon kinley sorry about that i his name escaped me i could not believe it austin jackson all these guys are going to need a little time right and you bring in Ted Chris and you have Eric Flowers. All these guys aren't going to come in and really wow. You can't kind of come out and say, all right, we have our established offensive line because you have guys like Michael Dieter who really need to step it up still. You need to have really four good, well, okay, starting quality guards. You think of 176, you know, linemen overall. That's more than five players on every team, right? So what we really need to see is people like, McKinley or Kinley, excuse me, and Hunt really start to push for those spots and not turn into more, you know, Billy Turner's or Dallas Thomas, just those early ish picks that really didn't amount to too much. Yeah. And you mentioned that. And I just can keep thinking in my head. I know we've all seen it on Twitter at one point and I'm going to say gif because it makes you upset, but you see that gif with the dog, you know, sipping oh, no, coffee. I'm gif. And, I'm gif. Okay. 
well, then maybe I say Jip. I don't know. I guess I just said it right then. Either way, you see that that dog with the fire behind him, and he's just sipping on his coffee. Oh, this is fine. I mean, that's exactly what it sounds like when you list off how the Dolphins' offensive line was last year. And you mentioned the offense and how things are changing, and they brought in to kind of simplify things. I believe it was also Chris Kaufman, a.k.a. C.K. Parrott, that said, you know, Chad O'Shea got bounced because they believed that his offense was a little bit too complicated for some of these players, a little bit too complicated for the younger guys. And they brought in uh, Chan Gailey, and yes, he's a veteran. Yes, he's 67. I make jokes about how his age – I think he might actually be 68 now. But they, they brought him in, and his offense, by most accounts, is a little bit simpler. And maybe this is something that'll that'll help these younger guys and will help to him most importantly because we've heard it throughout the draft process. We heard it after the draft. You know, This is the perfect offense for Tua Tungvaluwa and what he does best. He he is great at you know identifying a defense – accurately throwing the ball on those quick intermediate passes and you know he takes shots deep he, he, he does a little bit of everything and I think from a complete package what Chan Gailey is going to bring to this Miami Dolphins team I've been down on him before but when you hear about the Chad O'Shea being a little too complicated you see how young this offensive line is. his entire team is young I think I forget who tweeted out maybe it's I believe Brian Bernays one of our diehard listeners a guy does dad jokes of the day great to see follow him on Twitter for sure I think he said that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the only player on the roster that's over 30 years old. And that's crazy to think about. So you got all these young guys. You got a more simplified offense. You got an offense that not only caters to the offensive line, but now it caters to the quarterback that you just drafted. Everything should be much better. The biggest issue, and you touched on a little bit earlier, was are these guys struggling to get down to Davie, Florida? Are they struggling to, you know, go out and work out in today's society? I mean, they're all NFL players. We know they're doing those workouts on Skype. I believe the, the rookies re- reported back on Monday um, to do these virtual workouts. But how is that going to affect them? And we can't sit here and pretend that it's not going to have some type of impact because I don't know the training camp's going to be you know on time in a timely fashion. I don't know how everything's going to play out. Nobody does. And that's one of the biggest mysteries and biggest concerns about the 2020 season. We saw Los Angeles said, you know, we're, we're not going to open up until there's a vaccine or – or, you know, in three months from now or whatever it is, Arizona's getting ready to open up. There's other states that are getting ready to open up. So I think the NFL came right out and said until every team and every state is open, they're not going to resume play. So that has to play a factor. But I absolutely believe the Dolphins offensive line has already improved from what it was last year. And there are players that are veterans, a Michael Dieter, a Jesse Davis. They need to step up and prove that they belong here because – there are players waiting in the and you know right behind them waiting to get in there and to make their mark. So I think anybody would be crazy to think that this offensive line wasn't better, but a lot of it will have to do with how the offseason plays out, how they can get down to Florida and get with the rest of those their teammates and get acclimated to the system because until they have the system down, until they're out there on day, uh, you know in practice and training camp and preseason making plays and, and working with the guys around them, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I absolutely believe the Dolphins' offensive line has already improved based on what they did in the draft, in free agency, and now it's just bringing it all together and seeing how they fit in Chan Gailey's offense. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, 
It's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are. It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snacket. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void where prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. There's no doubt about it. How it's, the Dolphins currently have $34 million in cap space, right? Now, what would you say if I was to tell you that the Dolphins maybe would want to use some of that cap space, which could most certainly be moved till next season, roll it over. I believe they rolled over 19 mil from... Uh, last year to this year would it make sense if the Dolphins used some of that cap space to add another player in the secondary that that's crazy and I, I know you wrote about it on the fin side or so I'm gonna you know let you talk on that but you see what the Dolphins did you know they got two of the highest paid cornerbacks in all of football they brought in Byron Jones on a monster deal they already had Xavier Howard on a monster deal Nick Needham seemed to make strides and then they invested the 30th overall pick on Noah Ibanagani, and I always butcher that name, but um, they, they invested a first-round pick then in the secondary, and, you know, Brandon Jones, and it, the list goes on and on of all the different backs they have in the secondary, but I, someone threw out the stat earlier, no team played more in man coverage than the New England Patriots, the Detroit Lions, and the Miami Dolphins, and they're all Bill Belichick, you know, disciples, so is it crazy to think that they'd go out there and sign a Logan Ryan? I mean, you tell me. Yeah, and that, that's kind of the thing because, you know, you're like, all right, we got Nick Needham. This is looking all right. We'll bring back Bobby McCain. Eric Rowe, we signed him to a, a longer deal, so he'll be our second safety, and we'll kind of let things play out. And then they go out and sign Byron Maxwell, and you're like, wow, all right, they're really trying to improve the secondary. That's good. We filled a hole, right? And then the draft comes along, and in the first round, the Dolphins spend another or a first-round pick, 30th overall, on a cornerback. And we're like, all right, cool. The secondary is stacked now. That's awesome. And then a couple rounds later, right? The Dolphins add Brandon Jones, a safety. And you're like, oh my God, how many guys in the secondary do, do we need? It sounds crazy. It sounds like this room is absolutely loaded. But when you think about what Brian Flores spoke a lot about last year in terms of starters, I think it was Sam McGuavin and Raekwon McMillan. He kind of you know made this comparison a lot. It's all about flexibility and what you can do in different packages. Just because you're a starter doesn't really mean too, too much. Uh, in theory, I think Brian Flores is someone who wants... 18 starters who can go out there and, you know, quote unquote, have that title in any given game. It really opens up the game plan, what you want to do, pass heavy packages, run heavy packages, whatever you really want, you know. And, and guys, you look at Brandon Jones, uh, Byron Maxwell, Byron Maxwell. <laughs> oh, God, that was a good that was a good trade. I'm going to throw it out there right now. That trade with the Eagles, whoever says that was a bad trade, get out of here. The in Byron Jones and. So you could really establish a group, hey, these guys can tackle, they're not afraid of people running the ball, and it just adds another level of flexibility. So when you think about someone like Logan Ryan, right, 29 years old, he caught Tom Brady's last pass as a New England Patriot, and we'll always remember that. Um, it was Mike Garofalo of uh, NFL Network who came out and said Logan or the Dolphins are nosing around someone like Ryan. The idea is that the 29-year-old wants a shot to start and to make roughly $10 million a year. I don't know if I would do that, but at this point, I think I'd end up saying, like, like 
obviously right now it's iffy. I don't know if I do that, but just like I wouldn't have si- or drafted Brandon Jones, just like I wouldn't have drafted Noah Igbenogany, I would have went in other ways. But once the Dolphins did that and I started to view the picture and understand what they're doing or what they're trying to do at least, I was fine with it. So right now I'm going to say no, I'm not a big fan. I'm We could pass on Logan Ryan, save the money, let's really try to have another war chest for next year. But if the Dolphins did it, I'd say like, awesome. That's great. I'd oh, I'd, I'd go full homer for the team because I get the idea, and there's no reason why it wouldn't be easily the best secondary in the NFL, and it'd be really fun to really see it uh, develop and how we see the snaps distributed every single week. It'd be kind of interesting, kind of fun, and, and I guess that's really all I can leave it at. It's not. It's yeah, not. Dolph- you know, the, it's not the pick that's going to completely make or break your team. Cool if you do. If you're not, awesome. We have Tim Mill. Yeah, and the biggest thing is, you know, he has familiarity with Brian Flores and with the scheme. So, I mean, to bring him in there, the veteran presence in that secondary, alongside an Xavier Howard, Bobby McKay, you know, the list goes on. It wouldn't be the worst idea. And it's funny because you look at the way the Dolphins are building this defense. You know, they kind of stacked the secondary, which we know the NFL is moving towards a – I mean, it's it's been a passing league for, for how long. You know, they have that shut down, and then they're using scheme up front to kind of get – to generate a pass rush, and we saw what they did this year. I don't know that anybody thought they were going to go out there. I mean, we probably thought they were going to make a splashy move, like a maybe you know they were going to trade for Jacksonville for Nagoku, or they were going to go after Jadavian Clowney, and they were going to get this big pass rush present, or maybe draft somebody like a YGM or an AJ Epinesa, but they didn't. You know, they brought in an Agba and a loss and and a Raquan Davis in the draft and a Curtis Weaver, and they're going to. Use that secondary to shut down the passing game and allow that pass rush to just develop itself. And you mentioned Aguavin. You mentioned some of these other linebackers. I mean, they're stacked at linebacker, too. I mean, the Dolphins are looking pretty good on defense. So would I be upset if they went out there and they used money that, you know, it's not our money, whatever, and and went after a, a Logan Ryan? I would not be upset at all. But to me, and a name that we got to bring up, and we'll just talk about it real quick, is Larry Warford. And he got, uh, you know, he was cut by the New Orleans Saints. This is a three-time Pro Bowl guard, a guy that you know has been in the league, a veteran presence. That we mentioned how dismal the offensive line was and how bad they were. And sure, they they, they drafted Solomon Kinley, and sure they brought in Eric Flowers, and maybe Michael Dieter does something. And you know the list goes on and on. But why not bring in a guy that has proven in the NFL that he can do this stuff? He's 28 years old. He turns 29 next month. Why not bring in a Larry Warford and have a veteran presence? At a position that, let's be honest, the Dolphins have been atrocious at drafting. The the best guard they've had in recent memory is Richie Incognito. And, and before that, I mean, I, I don't know. So to me, if you're going to spend money on a veteran, I would go after Warford before I'd go after Logan Ryan because the offensive line is that bad. Because it was one of the worst units, if not the worst unit on the team last year. And because we mentioned all the pieces in that secondary. But again... I mean, I mean, if they if they honestly wanted to after they signed these other four rookies, they could get both these guys. But I don't think that would be their play. But if it were up to me, I would go after the guard, the three-time Pro Bowl guard, and that's no knock against Logan Ryan. I just don't know that he is a necessity as much as Warford is. And you have to look at this again. The New York Jets have interest in Logan Ryan. You know, it was almost a done deal, and we saw the reports come out. Jets are going to – I think it was pro football talk. I mean they were making it sound like this was a done deal, and then it came out, wait, whoa, wait a second. You know, the Dolphins also have interest. So I'm sure the Dolphins are interested, but every day they're driving up that price, and to me that's a win-win situation. 
No doubt, and I, I completely agree with you there. It, but it does seem like every couple of years we're screaming about um, offensive lineman X or Y who who sits out on the free agent market. I know he hasn't been on the free agent market that that long, but I feel like there's always those couple of guys. We should really bring them in. We should really bring them in, and then they eventually sign and they're okay. You know, it's, it's it wasn't you know the game changing deal you thought it would be. But but I agree. I think. This would be the idea to to just keep bringing in offensive linemen, right? To kind of do what you just did with the secondary. Just keep bringing them in, bringing them in until you have so many that there's no way you're going to be bad. Uh, Josh, let, let's wrap the show up here with, with, with what was happening on Twitter, like I mentioned at the top. Let's go through and do this for, for the Dolphins. Uh, we'll go through most overrated, most underrated, so on and so on. We'll save the title before we do it, and we'll go pick by pick, right? But we cannot pick the same player. So I'll let you go first and most overrated player on the Miami Dolphins roster. Okay, yeah. So it was May 10th, and Nick Farabo, I probably messed that up, but he tweeted out, he tweeted out about the Steelers, and he went down the list of players. And I thought, okay, I'm going to do this. And it was late at night, and it was a huge mistake because most overrated player, it was the first one on this list. I went with Jerome Baker, and people absolutely bashed me. They said, whoa, whoa, Jerome Baker, you know, is X years old. He's only been in the scheme for a year. To me, heading into last season, Jerome Baker was the most overhyped player, and it was everyone in Dolphins Twitter, on, on Facebook, every Dolphin fan thought that Jerome Baker was going to be a stud, and I'm not saying he wasn't. I think he had 126 tackles. He made play after play. Someone said he was fourth on the team in sacks. He had one and a half sacks, okay? That's a little bit misleading, but do I think Jerome Baker and the verdict is written on him? Absolutely not, but when you're going into the last season and everyone was pretty hell-bent that this guy was going to take the leap and be this next great linebacker, he just didn't do that for me, and in my opinion, and we'll talk about it on this next one, I don't even know that Jerome Baker was the best linebacker on the roster last year. Yeah, and I think it's important to keep in mind here, too, that most overrated doesn't mean bad, right? I think I think that's what's pretty clear here, is that you're not saying he's a bad linebacker, and he wasn't bad. He really flashed, but again, he was hyped up to a crazy, crazy, crazy level last year. Uh, especially going into the season. And we never really saw him perform uh, to that extent. And Josh, this is a really, really tough question for me because there's not a lot of guys that have the high ceiling, right? Or we don't expect, like, like Devontae Parker's obviously not. He just had the best season of his career. Um, and, and anything you'll say about him, the, the last thing is we're going to overrate him, that's for sure. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, the, that's pretty set. But I'm just saying, like, in general, a guy who really is is blown up more. I mean, Parker really showed off. He lived up to that bill as, like, a number one wide receiver. So we can't really go him. And when you start to look at other talent, you like, you need to be a very talented player to be overrated still, you know, at that point. Maybe uh, we're treating you like a 97 in Madden, but maybe you're an 87. Like, you're not bad. Um, the name, I guess, that came up, I think Shaq Lawson might be a tad bit for what the Dolphins paid. And Xavier Howard, you know, you think about the amount of games he's missed. I think it's 24 over the last four years. This guy is a complete stud, don't get me wrong. But when you're kind of putting together the whole package, when you're putting the contract in there and the best ability you have is availability, if he plays a full season, he is most certainly not overrated. But at this moment, I think when you look at, you know, those top cornerback that took excuse me, that top cornerback money. And despite he did lead the league in interceptions, I think it was two years ago, despite missing like three or four games. But as of right now, I want to, I, in order to say he's still that guy, I need to see a full season or at least, you know, 12 games. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, time will tell on all these guys. And again, it does not mean that they're a bad player. It just means that our expectations are way higher than, you know, what they went out there and did or, or what we're expecting heading into this year. For me, most underrated, and we talked. I talked about linebackers, and I've been a huge Rayquan McMillan fan, but to me, it's Rayquan McMillan. And heading into last year, and again, maybe it just depends on which year I'm looking at. You know, heading into last year, no one had very high expectations for Rayquan McMillan. He had 72 tackles. He was easily, in my opinion, you know, the best run-stopping linebacker on the roster. We saw the impact he made play in and play out, and people say, okay, well, he can't cover. We know he can't cover. I don't know that any of these linebackers can truly cover, and that's been the Dolphins' Achilles heel for many years. But for me, it would be Rayquan McMillan, most overrated Jerome Baker, most underrated Rayquan McMillan, because in my opinion, I do think Rayquan McMillan took the next step last year, exceeded expectations, and heading into this season, you know, a lot of people are just kind of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Rayquan McMillan signs a longer-term deal with the Dolphins, maybe hits free agency when his contract expires, whatever. It's, it's Rayquan McMillan. To me, I think he has more of an impact than we expect, and I think him alongside Jerome Baker – Makes a perfect tandem, but that would be my most underrated player. Yeah, and I actually uh, retweeted something a couple days ago. I, I don't know if he was talking to you or not, but it was a fan of another team. I don't really know, and he was he was complaining about something. Oh, it was a Bengals fan, and he was saying, you know, there's only maybe two roster spots or position groups that the Dolphins are better than the Bengals at. And, you know, I didn't want to have that discussion, but he said the Dolphins have a good linebacking group. And I think it is has a lot to do with the fact Jerome or Raquan McMillan really turned it on near the end of the season last year and really showed just a, a dynamic flash, an extra little burst to his game that was really exciting to see put into uh, really a comfort level that we haven't seen out of him before. So that was that was good for me. Most underrated, I think I'm going to go Albert Wilson. I think as we look what's happening in 2020, we look at what Chan Gay's offense. I mean, you were just sharing a bunch of Albert. Uh, Wilson highlights recently. He signed a, I guess we can say a new deal with the Dolphins. He had his salary uh, uh, number cut from 10 mil down to 3 mil. And I think if he's healthy, he's fully ready to go this season. I think he has the opportunity to do what he did when Cutler was uh, under center and really carry the offense for a couple of games a season. And that's the difference between a 6-10 and 10 team and a 10-6 and 6 team is having those guys who can really break out. I'm not saying they're the greatest all-around player in the world, but they have that game-changing ability, and to be able to hit on that two, three games a season when maybe everything isn't going to go right, and you have the odds against you, though he's a difference maker in that sense, and I think we could really see that for two, three games this year um, if he's fully healthy. Like we kind of had a sense he was really starting to feel near the end of the last season. Yeah, and he, I mean, I love Albert Wilson. He's a guy that didn't really show a lot with Kansas City. He was on pace to just be a game-changing receiver before that injury and you know I do think a lot of people are sleeping on him because a lot of people you know before he restructured his contract were like okay you know they were counting him out and they were basically saying you know what this guy's gone and I'm glad that Albert Wilson restructured that contract I'm glad he's taking a chance on himself as is a team because I do think like you said he can be that playmaking wide receiver the next one's best player and this is kind of a toss-up and a lot of people got on me because I didn't put Xavier Howard for me it's Byron Jones and I I know that it might be that flavor of the moment, and it might be because, I, I mean, I, I've watched some of his tape. I've watched him against the Michael Thomases, you know, the DeAndre Hopkins, some of the best receivers in the entire NFL. And he, I made a joke. He looks like he's Peter Pan's shadow. You know, he, he's running those routes for those guys. And as good as Xavier Howard is, as awesome as those interceptions are, you know, he's a bit handsy downfield. He, he's not 
he, to me, he it would be a coin flip. You could sit here and flip a coin and say Xavier Howard went healthy or Byron Jones, and whoever it lands on, you'd probably be right. But in my opinion, and again, maybe it's just because the Dolphins just brought him in. You know, Maybe it's just because I'm hyped up about him. I would put Byron Jones as the Dolphins' best player heading into the 2020 season. I think, you know, when you look at best player, who had the greatest impact in winning a game last season? And one thing I spent most of the year waiting for, and don't get me wrong, Xavier Howard can do this. We just haven't seen it in over a year. So you kind of have to have that decay of, you know, he was great. and That's a memory we need to keep. But it's been a little while since we've seen it for a long-term stretch. So I want to go to Devontae Parker. That game against Philadelphia where he won it, he put the game on his shoulders, two touchdowns, over 100 yards, that that was it. I that was you know all I needed to see that he can really be that guy and that can win you games. And we saw highlight flashes of what Ryan Fitzpatrick did with Brandon Marshall. Uh, when when Devontae Parker's on, you're gonna have a hard time losing a game just because of how dominant he can be. Yeah, and the biggest thing I mean with De- Devontae Parker, besides from the injury, was you know people were questioning his work ethic or his eating habits. We saw last year when he needed to step up and he needed to prove to everyone that he was that true number one wide receiver was exactly that. You know, he 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 single-handedly won some of these games and just took it over. I mean, I, I picture that Philly game. He was unstoppable. I picture him against a defense player of the rookie of the year, or defense player of the year, Stefan Gilmore. He was unstoppable. Tredavious Whitey turned inside out. I mean, his his resume of victims last year is huge and if he can just have another year like that and just continue on this pace you know who cares about those first four years when he was that uh, you know quote unquote buster the, the player that many people wanted to give up on Devonte parker is a difference maker and when he's on he is on so i mean uh, based off last season i have no issue giving byron or uh, giving Devonte parker best player the next one's kino edition and i felt a little bit dirty just you know to a tongue of iloa who how can you put anybody else there? I mean, he's the franchise quarterback, the the guy that's going to be the face. Hopefully, he's the best quarterback since Dan Marino. You know, the list goes on and on. But I had to put someone else there, and I went with Kyle Van Noy because I talked about on a previous podcast, the way he just seems to carry himself and just seems to be, you know, a genuine person. I think he's going to be a leader in that locker room. I think he's going to be a welcomed addition to that defense. And, again, he's someone who Brian Flores has a history with and who's going to come in there He's going to take no shit from anyone. He's going to take over, you know, that role as the leader on defense, and everyone around him is going to get better. I'm excited to see what they do with him because it was one of those quotes that he threw out there when he was doing his, you know, post-free agent signing, and he said, I'm, I'm not a linebacker. I'm not an edge rusher. I'm a football player, and, and that got to get you excited. I think aside from Tua Tungavalo, which is obvious, he is the key new addition. He's the the Ferrari. He's the Cadillac Escalade of the Miami Dolphins. Kyle Van Noy is going to have a huge impact on the Dolphins' defense, on the Dolphins' locker room, and on the Miami Dolphins' success, not only in 2020, but for many years to come. Can't believe you had to go and take two on me like that. Because <laughs> I was most certainly going to go Kyle yeah, Van Noy. Well, I'm just going off the list. I, I'm Okay. Yeah, I'm just going off the list. I'm sorry. That, that's no, my it's... bad. So you can just piggyback. <laughs> you, you can just go since I took the two obvious choices. It's, you know, the, the flexibility. You talk about what Brian Flores wants to do. The experience there. Uh, the, the key surprise, obviously, in three years, we could be saying that nothing's better than having a franchise quarterback. But you being the Tua homer, I will let you have that and, and kind of sit in that. Of course, being the Tua homer is definitely not a bad thing. But what I'm trying to get at is that I think Kyle Vinoy is going to have a, a strong impact on this game this season. 
Right. And I think it's going to be key for us to not just look at the statistics, but just kind of see how he operates the defense, how he communicates with everyone, how he really carries himself, because I think he could be the, you know, the quote unquote star of the center of this defense. Yes, it's cool when you have someone like Byron Jones coming in. Um, He doesn't make those big time plays because nobody wants to throw at him. And when they do, he just he breaks up everything. But what you could see out of Vinoy are the forced fumbles, the big sack for a loss. And, you know, hopefully we never have to see the ball thrown at Byron Jones because someone like Kyle Van Noy is already in the backfield or tackling a running back over underneath. You know, hopefully won't, we won't see any more scampers on third and 11 for a first down that seems like the Miami Dolphins special over the last 10 years or so. What, so I really agree that I think Kyle Van Noy has to be that new addition, at least when we're talking about this year that's really exciting to watch. Yeah, and for me, uh, the next is biggest surprise, and I'm going to go with 24-year-old Zach Steeler, and this is a guy who the Dolphins picked him up off waivers. He didn't really play that many games with the team last year, but when he did, he had eight combined tackles, one sack. I did a cut-up of him against the Cincinnati Bengals, and this is just a guy that, you know, he seemed to get off the line quick. He, he seems to have a vast array of different pass rush moves, and in a Brian Flores defense, you know, his versatility is going to go a long way. Again, it's his third season. He's 24 years old. So I was trying to go a little different route here, trying to go with someone that other people might not expect. So I went with Zach Sealer. Who would you have for the Dolphins' biggest surprise heading into the 2020 season? That's a good question, Josh. That is a very good question. I kind of wanted to go running back with someone like uh, Jordan Howard or Matt Breida just to do like a sexy, flashy type of pick. But we, I think we kind of both know what to expect with these type of players. I don't think any of them are going to really you know, make our eyes pop with the type of production uh, they're going to produce. The production they're going to produce, exactly. <laughs> but I, I don't mean that in a bad sense. I just mean I think these guys are both really good at what they do, uh, and we know what they're really good at. Uh, so I want to go with someone like Raekwon Davis. And when I see the potential, it is obviously there. It is clearly there. It is just get it, giving, getting that opportunity to really present it. I think Brian Flores is going to get the most out of his guys. You have to think about the Dolphins drafted someone a lot like Davis and Jordan Phillips a few years ago. And it's all about the motor. Can the coaching staff get the most out of him? The reason we are so excited about someone like Brian Flores is because, yes, he will get the most out of his players, unlike, you know, maybe... Uh, Jordan Phillips' time in Miami would have been different if Flores was the coach the entire time. You know what I mean? So I really think the potential is there. And the hope, I guess, of us all crossing our fingers that the Dolphins don't have too many busts from this draft, I think Raekwon Davis could very much be that surprise we were looking for uh, alongside uh, someone like Christian Wilkins. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. And again, we all remember how excited he was. He was fist pumping, you know, doing that Ryan Fitzpatrick celebration where he was doing like the machine gun with his arms. I mean, Brian Flores was over the moon excited for that pick. So you have to think that he is stoked to have him. I think it's a guy that can play nose and just do a bunch of different things on that defensive line. And that's a perfect transition to takes a leap. At least for me, I put Christian Wilkins down. And this is a guy who, you know, a rookie last year, 56 combined uh, tackles, two sacks. His... His produ- I mean, at his position, it's really not something that's just going to jump out of you on the, on the stat sheet. And I think a lot of people, I don't know if you remember this, but it was going around Twitter, you know, Christian Wilkins was the wrong pick there, and, you know, he, he's, he needs to be able to play better. Some people already call him a bust. I mean, that's just not the case. This is a guy that plays a position that doesn't really get the same type of love as a pass rusher, as a linebacker, as a, in the secondary, you know. Christian Wilkins does all the little things that other defenders don't do, and next to Raquan Davis, to me, I think that that is, you know, that's the tag team, that dynamic duo up front that has to get Brian Flores excited. And I do think it's going to do a tremendous 
it's going to make a tremendous difference in the run game. So for me, I think Christian Wilkins takes that next step. Again, it might not show up on the stat sheet, but what we see with the Dolphins' rush defense and what we see in that defense as a whole will be much improved over last season. I completely agree. I think it's a great uh, pick, too. We really saw him kind of grow. I'm going to go with a tandem here. I'm going to pull you and say I think both. It's going to maybe even just be by a committee and both of them kind of do it. I'm going to go with um, Vince Beagle and Andrew Van Ginkle. I think we really saw in, in tiny, tiny spurts what the potential of these two are. And I think it could be a lot like really interesting in the sense where there was a time where Cam Wake would only play on passing downs, right? And you know, he'd still get his 11, 12 sacks. And I'm not trying to compare these guys to Cam Wake in, in no way, no how. But just when you see what the Patriots were able to do uh, with, uh, how's his last name's uh, Sheard, I think he was, the defensive end. I can't think of him. But the point I'm trying to make here is I, I you know, know of in the Patriots system, there are different guys who come in and they can kind of put up big sack numbers, even though they aren't huge parts of the defense play in and play out. So I think either of these guys could kind of put up little shot, you know, sack numbers maybe together that, that could really surprise us of, of what they accomplished despite not seeing the field as much as, you know, a full-time starter or even, you know, 60% of the snaps. We might even see like a 40% here and they still kind of put a decent sack total up on the board. Yeah, I love both those picks. And like you said, you saw flashes from both these guys last year. Uh, we know Vince Beagle signed his tender. We know AVG. I mean, he was out Jabal for most of the year. Jabal Sheard, by the way. Sorry Jabal Sheard, yeah. And then he came in, and, you know, he made an impact. And what, to me, is the most exciting is these guys remind me a lot of Kyle Van Noy, the guy the Dolphins brought in here. So to have that veteran presence to kind of, you know, mold these two guys that are very similar players, in my opinion. No, they're not as good as Kyle Van Noy, but why can't they be? And you mentioned Vince Beagle. He was a fan favorite. And I have to just bring up that video that we all saw floating around Twitter yesterday of of his brother Hayden said, you know, he used to play offensive tackle, I believe, at Wisconsin. And he said, you know what, let's let's do one more rep for good time's sake. And Vince Beagle put a killer spin move on his brother who who was dressed kind of like Chuck Norris. He, I mean, he put him in a body bag, and it was hilarious. So, I mean, I love that Vince Beagle pick. I think that, you know, he, he's one of those players that, again, he could have been one of the most underrated because hey, he did things that – you didn't really I mean no one expected him to do what he did I think he was traded straight up for Kiko Alonso and that proved to be the right move for the Miami Dolphins prove it year and I'm gonna go with Bobby McCain I mean this is a guy who could probably even go down as most overrated he's a player that when he was in when he played nickel he was one of the best nickels in football and I'll stand by that he got that huge contract because of how well he was he played at nickel and then they transitioned him to safety, and I don't know whether it was you know injury or the sur- supporting cast around him or, or what it was, but Bobby McCain just looked out of place and did not look like the same player that he was when he was down in nickel. So for me, I need to see more out of him. You know, there's Brandon Jones, there's Clayton Fajitalum, there's these other guys that they brought in. You know, they have safeties, Andrew Colbert. There's different guys there, but Bobby McCain needs to prove that he's a veteran leader. You know, he, he's getting paid to be a superstar on this defense, and I have not seen it. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with the transition to safety. But the Dolphins only addressed it with Brandon Jones. You know, they didn't go after Nash Davis like we thought. They didn't go after Grant Dell, but they didn't go after some of these big playmaking safeties that we, we thought they would. And maybe it's because they like what Bobby McCain can do. So for me, this is a proven year for Bobby McCain, not only because of his salary, but because of the position and what's going to be asked of him. So my answer is Bobby McCain. Who do you have for the proven year? Um, I'm going to do two players again because I think this might even be like a training camp in preseason to prove it because, you know, you don't keep a guy who 
on your team who's who's kind of floundering in that you know fourth or fifth spot on a depth chart because you want to use those for the high upside guys so undrafted guys really show off so i look at two players isaiah ford and jakeem grant yes isaiah ford had a strong game near the end of the season but it was near the end of the season of his third year in the league right so i think we can't really i don't know if we can afford to keep him down there for another year if he can't break through to you know one of those top two three maybe even four wide receivers and the same with grant you know we saw him struggle with drops last season and then he got injured Yes, he is very exciting, very thrilling. He's, he's a very fun player to watch in general. But you have to wonder if there comes a time where you find another speed guy and, and you try to move on and find another guy who can play 16 games. Um, these two have to really prove they can have make a long-term impact on this team, I feel, um, in order for us to start to feel comfortable about a wide receiver group that can be very, very boom or bust. Um, when you think of this, this group outside of Parker, you don't know for sure who can even make the team, right? Anybody can come out and outshine one another. It's going to be a really strong competition. And these guys, it, it's it's time for them, you know, to really show off in, in front of some of the rookies and really take command of that group. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's going to be very exciting to see the way they transition with the Changeli offense, the way, you know, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or Tua Tungvaloa how much better and how much you know more production they get out of these guys because they're getting paid to make plays and we just haven't seen it um i mean is there anything else you want to say before we wrap it up because i think this was you know one of our better shows i think we touched on everything that we said we were going to talk about you know with jersey sales the the tua stuff logan ryan larry warford i mean the list goes on and on i think we touched on everything is there anything else you'd like to say before we head out I think that is it. It's always fun, man. I'm, I'm glad we're able to do this. The sun's out. We're finally hitting spring. We're finally starting to hit warm weather. And, you know, hopefully it's starting to feel like maybe we'll have a sport or two back on television soon to, to kind of help guide us in the football season, which would be really exciting. Yeah, we sure hope that's the case. And again, like Jake said at the beginning of the show, like, subscribe, rate. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, please do us the favor, subscribe. Give us a good rating. If you if you don't like what I talk about and you don't like that I love Tua Tungvaloa, you know, you can give me a bad rating, but don't don't do it to Jake. But like, <laughs> subscribe, rate us, follow us on Twitter at jmendall94. I am at Houts for the Jake and Josh show, part of the Finsider Podcast Network. We'll talk to you next time. Fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins.
Mine.